0: to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerti, and today I'm talking to Kevin Thompson, who portrayed Ewoks in Return of the Jedi and the Ewok movies, as well as his wife, Tracy Thompson, who wrote the new book, My Journey to Endor, chronicling Kevin's career and stories. They were such a blast to talk to as we delved into the incredible work on the set of Jedi as well as Blade Runner and so, so many more great movies and TV shows. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 134. Kevin and Tracy Thompson. What was the initial inspirations? What was the initial impetus to want to get into film and want to become part of this world?
1: I had studied drama in and television productions and cinema in high school. I was very lucky to have those resources at my high school in San Gabriel, California. I had some wonderful teachers in that. I had Dennis Reed, I had Kelly Johnson, and they were people who were professionals, but chose teaching. And both of them wanted to teach for a little bit and then go back out there. And they found a career in teaching, much like Mr. Holland's opus. And they were wonderful teachers. And they sent many people into the industry, myself included. And then I continued that into college and started getting plays and doing movies. I didn't get into television much. I was planning to get that over at uh, Passing City. And then I started working in the industry with movies called Under the Rainbow, Blade Runner, and then Return of the Jedi. And after Return of the Jedi, then I met Tracy, my wife. Now, she was A hot little number (laughs) across the way who happened to wave to me. Life has been bliss ever since. And then I started just left school and just started working and trying to get into almost anything that, you know, wasn't making fun of myself or, you know, just work to put food on the table. Being a little person, you're not offered a lot of different things. In the 80s, there was a lot of sci-fi. So there was a lot of different uh, costuming jobs. CGI then came in with Jurassic Park and everything left and has been a little bit different since. There's been some uh, neat parts for dramatics when Tracy and I actually did a part together on a short-lived show called The Neighbors where we played together on as guest stars on it, which was actually a lot of fun. What it was, was we auditioned separately
2: so nobody knew we were married and so it it was it so we both got the parts separately and then when we were filming it was like an april fools it's called the neighbors and uh they were playing a trick that we were the kids they aged us they aged us as adults and so it was hilarious actually it was a great part it was so much fun and we were just ourselves and Kevin would come visit me in my dressing room. and my, my
1: tie tight? Is yeah. My, you know, my guy thing. You know we, she knows better than I do.
2: Yeah. We just practice our lines and just talk about our home life as husband and wife, but the crew didn't realize that. And so about the second scandalous. or third day, as we were on set, we talked about our son and being married and they all started busting up laughing the crew. And I was like, what is so funny? And they're like, We thought something scandalous was going on because you guys were visiting each other's dressing rooms. You're visiting the trailers and they thought we were having some kind of affair or something was happening. Once they found out we were married, they just thought it was so funny. Oh, (laughs) oh, Oh, so we played tricks on them, too. Yeah. So so we
1: played a trick and we didn't even know we were playing a
2: trick. Exactly.
0: Under the Rainbow was your first foray into film. And then, of course, Blade Runner, for being your second film, really working your way through that movie is, is really an incredible story on its own and would warrant a, an interview, just just that that one small capsule of it all. What was that like? What was that process? How did you start growing into yourself as an actor and as a performer?
1: With Under the Rainbow, uh, I was a action extra because I am in shape. I was a gymnast. I was only 21 I was a mime. I was a high school wrestler. I played on the smallest professional basketball and baseball teams in the world. And so I was a very good athlete. So whatever they threw at me, I could handle. Whereas a lot of little people are not that agile. And they were looking for people to be like what I did. I was swinging from the chandeliers. I was doing pratfalls. I was just doing general mayhem during that movie. The tough thing was is... Being an extra and a non-union extra, I and my first thing, I was very wet behind the ears. I didn't know that things that I was doing were supposed to be contracted stunts to put me into the Screen Actors Guild. And they took advantage of me. On the very last day, I said, hey, this is sucky. How I got into the union was they said, we thought you were in the union. Wrong. They knew, you know, because it's all about business, uh, you can sign this contract. It told me that I would make X amount of dollars, but we will not pay you. But to SAG, you are now have been Taft-Hartley, which is what you, and that's the big word, Taft-Hartley into the union. And so even though I was not paid, I got into the union. Then on Blade Runner, which was soon after that, they said, are you in the union? I said, yeah. I hadn't paid my dues yet because you get a cert- You don't get into the union until your second job. Then right when you get your second job, this sag comes out and says, "Pay me my money today." So all of a sudden, I'm on the set. An assistant director comes in and says, "You said you were in the union." I said, "I am." They said, "No, you're not. You've been taft hartley. You're not in the union. You have to pay your dues right now." I said, "Oh, well, I'll just pay them tomorrow." He goes, "No, you have to pay them right now." So at lunch, I was in my costume and I went across the street and I had to get a cashier's check from the bank and then give it to a Teamster to have him send it down to, it was either $500 cash to join the union. And
2: that was a lot back then. That was uh, was
1: 1980. Uh, It's a lot now. And he drove down to SAG and dropped it off. Actors are notorious of saying, hey, I'll get you the check next week. If I, you give me a hamburger on today, I will gladly pay you on Tuesday next week. So <laughs>
2: not only were you on a momentous film, you were also, that was momentous to join the union. Right. On Blade oh, it was, Runner. it
1: was very much. Yeah. It was very huge. My first line, home again, home again, jiggity jig." It's always fun to talk about, you know, people say, hey, what was your first line? She's like, oh, some piece of Piece of poo on
2: this or that.
0: But no, it was one of the most important sci-fi movies ever ever made. I sit there and I drop
1: the mic and people go, oh, wait, what?
2: You had three parts on Blade Runner, right?
1: Yes, actually four, but the first one you don't really see me.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I'm at the noodle bar, but you don't see me. But that's where I meet Ridley Scott, who then wrote me the other three parts.
0: What was that relationship like? How did you kindle that and keep getting those parts? By accident.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a funny thing. It is a funny story. It's, you know, if you've watched the movie, it's rainy. We're at night. It's smoky. It's just crap.
2: Downtown LA, right? Downtown
1: LA. And we're just in a piece. It's just like, uh, the noodle bar is a made up set. But we're in downtown LA and there's 100 and 200 extras. And we got the smoke. And I'm I'm just going, what did I get myself into? Why did I answer this phone call? And I'm just sitting there. And a guy comes up to me and goes, hey how you doing? I said, does he really want to know how I'm doing? So I just let him have it. It <laughs> sucks. I don't know who's directing this damn thing. I got rain. I'm wet. I'm cold. I've got smoke going up here. I'm dirty. They went and dirty me up. This just, I don't, I'm, I'm just trying to find a place to sit. This just really sucks. Who are you? He goes, hi, I'm really Scott, the director. And he has a little paper cup and he goes, here. I go, what's this coffee and it's like and sniff is like no it's scotch the good stuff we were friends because the crew actually had a tough time with him and he had a tough time with the crew I didn't have a tough time with the crew or with Ridley so I was Switzerland you were his buddy I was his buddy So he liked me having me around
0: that's how you really make sure that you are loved and respected by by everybody and i think that that is testament to kind of your career as it moves on and and really with jedi i think it's interesting like you mentioned earlier with your incredible training and background and skills you were like a a a very important role going into all these important end or shoots how did you first get connected with that like stunt crew and and that whole process, and what was that first journey to Endor like?
1: Because Under the Rainbow had 150 people. We have we know everybody in there. So there's, at the time, there was quite a few little people who were living in the L.A. area, and they used the casting people from Under the Rainbow. So these people already knew who they liked and who they didn't like. They had 150 to pull from, but they only needed like 35. And so we had an audition for the stunt part at a little studio, but they never told us what it was. They didn't tell us the name of the picture or which is kind of, well, you know, you got to ask for the, you know, the guard or something of like, where are you going? well the guard kind of knew where everybody was going because there's a bunch much little, little people, people. <laughs> yeah. it was like it, it was a little, little people cattle call. so we went there it was the first time that i had met the stunt coordinator glenn randall he had done raiders of the lost ark he did et he was both george's and steven spielberg's stunt coordinator so he was very good and very busy i just happened to hit it out of the park with that audition. They were very impressed that I was a mime, that I was a gymnast. They still didn't tell me what the character was. Did you read the book?
0: I've not read the book yet, no.
1: Okay. I tell them all about this audition because I'm only 22 and other guys are out there who've had a lot more experience than me, but they are not so-called mimes or gymnasts. I hit the audition out of the park. Well he it, followed
2: you out. Right? He
1: followed me out and he said after Are the you,
2: audition. Right.
1: He said, Are you really a gymnast and a mime? And I said yeah. And then he goes, they looked over straight in the eye. I couldn't lie to him, but I wasn't lying. I really was. And they said, I'll be talking to you soon. They always say, hey, we'll see you again. <laughs> <laughs> they never say, huh? Oh, wow. That audition sucked. Why did we call you in here? Get the hell out of my office. You know, yeah. I've never had that. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like it. Driving, God, what a circus
2: You kind of know.
1: Yeah, you know, you know. And I did, I put the bat on the ball and it went out of the park.
0: Are there things, especially in Jedi, that stick out to you even now as times that you really either were pushed to your limit or were, like like you were saying, really equipped for the role and for the challenge that was presented?
1: The improv of just going with the flow, a lot of the um, gymnastic moves, probably one of the biggest ones was the, the mini tramp of where he had a gag, Glenn Randall had a gag that he wanted to do, and we all tried out for it. All the stunt guys tried out for it, and no one else could master the mini-tramp because one, they had never really worked on a mini-tramp before. Mini-tramp is a little itty-bitty trampoline bent at an angle, but the pad where you actually hit is only about 10 to 12 inches wide, all surrounded by springs. So it, then you maybe see these at basketball games where it was called the Bud Light All Stars would do all these fancy tricks and then slam dunk as they're doing flips and things like that what we one with being a little person you don't have that bounce you don't have that pound to, to get as much so you have to work at that and practice it and i had been doing this all through high school and college doing these types of, of working on this so it came very easy to me where the other guys didn't and the explosion what we did was we had a, a big mortar behind the mini trap i i jumped from a 10-foot platform onto the mini-trap, and as I hit the mini-trap, the explosion goes off, and I go flying. One take. In a, in first a suit, Right. In a fursuit, with in a fat suit, with the... Uh, can't see. Can't see, with a mask on, with gloves on, and uh, latex feet.
0: I'd love to touch briefly on the two Ewok movies, which, of course, your character... Dies in the first one, but then they bring you back to work on the second one again. Let's focus on the first one and your experiences just for a moment.
1: What was fun about that was that instead of 35, we're in the middle of the woods of Ewoks. There's now just like six of us, and we're shooting on Georgia's ranch. Simple things that you take for granted, a bathroom, are much easier accessible. And during filming of Return of the Jedi, if one person had to go everybody decided they had to go.
2: Just like children. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just like children. And, you know. when there's only six of us, one set, and maybe it's just the scene, you can wait and say, okay, I'm not in this part of the scene. Can I go run to the restroom? Because it's a big to-do. But what our outfit on, was on both movies or all three movies is, it's a fat suit, which is like a, a leg piece and a leg piece and a Michelin fat suit, from your wrist and your belly and your back.
2: Then you're sweaty. Then like you're wet sweaty. Bathing. Yeah. Trying to get that off, right?
1: Trying to get that off. And then we have baby blue pajamas underneath that. But over that, we have a fur coat and latex hands, latex feet, a latex mask. So, like Tracy said, we're very sweaty. So to peel that off and then to put it back on is like putting on a wetsuit, a wet bathing suit on at night. It's always so fun. And the way, way Tracy describes this in the book is exactly the way it felt because she, what I love the way that she was, she's heard these stories all the time. That's how I got her to date. Hey, do you know what I did? This is what, I, and so on dates, her and she's, She finally have to like raise her hand and say, I've heard the story before.
2: On the movies though, you guys became because it was a smaller group, a family. Because on Jedi, I mean you still became a family because it was seven weeks. Mm -hmm. But on the movies it was more personalized, it seemed.
1: Right. And each of us had our own character. We had our own trailers. We had like Winnebagos. And so we had we each had our own dressing room. On the movie. I shared a room with 10 other little guys.
0: The Ewok movies are very dear to my heart, only because it is a love letter from George to his daughter. It is a little bit more low-tech than the original trilogy, but it has a lot of heart. I'm glad that they're finally getting their due a little bit. Well,
1: thanks. I got to play the toughest Ewok out there. Warwick, I think the part that he did on, we always called it Leia's Log, that scene with Carrie Fisher, he hit it out of the park so well with that 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 was what made the Ewoks so lovable because he played it great I was always the tough guy I'm murder bear I'm the stormtrooper's nightmare and you see me all over the place and they had I had to wear 10 different outfits but on Ewok Adventure I got to play one guy the hero um I'm Shuka um Chuck Norris. I'm tough toughest Ewok out there. The Ewok with the axe. The Ewok with the axe. And the Ewok that rides the horse. I riding wow. a horse with that.
2: Horses don't like... Bears. Bears, so...
1: Yes, they're a mortal enemy. Yeah,
2: so he wasn't too happy that no. you were on his back. No,
1: he wasn't too happy. And when I am on his back, he's trying to knock me off, running next to, like, low-hanging trees and branches. Even though he has eyes, I don't. Well, Tracy, you said that you
0: heard these stories so many times and you enjoyed them. But what makes you want to help write this book?
2: It had hurt my back, so I wasn't able to work. And so while being at home and also during COVID, I had always found little pieces of paper, like little sticky notes everywhere where Kevin would write his little memory of being an Ewok or on the Ewok adventures. I didn't meet Kevin until the very end of... Well, no, he had already done Jedi. I had met him in between before the Ewok movie started. Yeah, after all those stories and all those little pieces of paper, we have a son, Wyatt, and I wanted to leave him a legacy. We decided to sit down and write. But Kevin and I think, completely different. He tells these stories in the market. He tells them everywhere. When he sees a little kid in a Star Wars shirt, I'm like, oh no, it's going to be a long time in this frozen food section. Sometimes I would warn him and say, we're just getting in and getting out. We're not going to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> so of course he was I like, know. they want to know. And he's like basically convulsing because he sees these kids with the little action figures. He's like, that's me. That's me. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. I decided to finally sit down and write it. And it became quite a journey just writing. I write for like Little People of America and different articles, but I haven't been published. So this was quite the endeavor. And so that's what got us to write this. And I had been to some of the celebrations before. We really thought this story needed to get out there.
0: Let's touch on the celebrations and the conventions that you've been able to go to over the years, because you have been such a constant presence. You've been able to be a part of the lives of so many fans and get to interact with so many people i'd be very interested in both your experiences then. Now, as you start showing people the book and people getting even more of your story and more both of y'all's story, what has that experience been like for you? And, and how has that continued to grow?
2: For me, it's different because now I'm pulled into the celebration because I wasn't an Ewok. I was too young at the time to audition for Rainbow and all those things. For me, it's brought me into the celebration circuit, but on a different level. I'm, I'm the author. I'm Kevin's wife. That's kind of fun to do it now as a couple to share this experience. This will be the first time we share it together at Celebration. So that will be fun for us. We both get to autograph the book. We both get to have it on Kevin's table. So I'm excited. I'm excited for all the people we've met through the years to come. it is family, the people you meet at celebrations. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I've made swag, you know, um, I'm getting into this whole swag. And it started by one of Kevin's, you know, how they give assistance at the table. And I became really good friends with Thomas T.K. Travis, who is a 501st. And he was helping us at the table. And him and I got along really well. And I kept hearing about this 501st bash and this 501st swag party. So I decided... You know, Kevin's signing. I'm like, hurry up. We're going to crash a swag party. And he's a like, what? what? And so uh, we got to uh, crash these parties. And uh, I need
1: mean a whole bunch of
2: on a different, you know, because we've always been on the celebrity side. This got to be in the meat of things with the fans and the people that make a difference with philanthropy. And, and, and that's really dear to my heart. So I'm excited. I love that part. And so does Kevin, the fan part, just being friends with true fans of Star Wars, everything Star Wars. So for me, this will be exciting as a husband and wife, as a partner, as a couple.
1: When I started trying to write it, like she says, pieces of paper and things like that. I'd write it out. She'd kind of look at me and go, what exactly are you trying to write? <laughs> I was like, well, you know, the story. And she goes, oh, okay. And so I was finally, I kind of had, because of COVID, because of she had hurt her back, she was kind of trapped. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't leave. I
2: wasn't going she anywhere. She was like,
1: all right. So she finally said, I was at the computer and trying to write it. And she kind of looks at it and kind of goes, you really don't sound very Friendly. Um, he was she a, used a different word.
2: He was a little egotistical. you She's know being, an asshole. <laughs> Well, no, because <laughs> it comes from a 22 year old guy who, you know, he's macho and he's a wrestler and all these things. And I'm like, you know, how did it feel? Were you You were scared. You were scared. You were you scared. Me. You know, no,
1: it wasn't. No, yeah, it wasn't.
2: On the ATST on the very top that you're sitting on, I'm like, this has got to be frightening. You know, you you have one taste. You know, what wasn't. I wasn't scared. You can't.
1: I gotta go. What?
2: So I asked him like, how like did it taste? Did it feel? Was it cold? Was it dirty? Yeah, All those it things.
1: Was dirty. I had rocks in my mouth. Yeah, I had dirt in my mouth. I had, yeah, I had a lot of mud in my mouth. There's things like that. But meeting the fans and being able to tell these types of stories, what Tracy was talking about the other day, she goes, they know the scene better than you do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what they, they know. Yeah. Cause
1: what then... were you thinking on this type of scene and what what was going through your head? You want to go, I just want to get the scene done so I get out of the outfit. <laughs> so I get a drink of water.
0: I don't wanna to ask too many questions because there are so many stories in the book and so many things that people can discover for themselves, but people can get it on Amazon, my journey to Endor. People can find y'all at Celebration, which I'm very excited to come by the table and pick up a copy for myself. And thank you both so much for coming on and telling these stories and i can't wait to see both how people respond at celebration and beyond because i know it's going to be just a really big party for this
1: so it's gonna be great
2: well we hope we can sit down with you and visit a little bit
1: she's going to be hiding ewok rocks all yes, over
2: the place so i paint these little rocks and people have been asking for them so i decided you know what i'm going to hide them all over celebration so hopefully everybody will find one
0: yes hopefully i find one now i'm excited
2: <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> good
0: Thank you so much again to Mr. and Mrs. Thompson for their incredible stories and wonderfully candid conversation. They will be at Star Wars Celebration this week, signing autographs and books. Please go see them or purchase my Journey to Endor at the link in our show notes. For anyone still not aware, this Friday we'll be having a live panel at Star Wars Celebration on the podcast stage with special guest Matt Martin from the Lucasfilm Story Group at 11am on Friday, 527. We'll see you there and we'll have a live recording up very soon hope to see you all in anaheim i have special swag and would love to see any and all listeners of the show so until after celebration stay tuned leave that five-star review and may the force be with you